Hello, you are listening to Michiana Speak Out, the afternoon podcast of SME Community Radio, where we get a chance to talk to you or you get a chance to talk to us. It is the start of a work week, Monday, August 30th, 2021, the day after Hurricane Ida, and it has been just three days since the shooting in the city of Elkhart. And we're going to talk about those items and more as we get ready to kick off a brand new week. So let's go ahead and go on to the news from News Nation. News Nation this hour, I'm Vic Vaughn. Hundreds of rescue boats and helicopters set out at sunrise along coastal areas of Louisiana. They're trying to reach people trapped by floodwaters. Officials in New Orleans say their city's entire electrical grid's been knocked offline. Darnita Austin's vacationing there from Dallas, Texas with her husband. They're trapped in a hotel. We couldn't go down on our floor. My husband got stuck in the elevator. They had to pull him out of the elevator. So therefore... We just stayed in our room until we rolled it out. Category 4 Hurricane Ida made landfall Sunday. It's since been downgraded to a tropical storm, still threatening those severe flooding for the next one to three days in parts of Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee, and Kentucky. U.S. military commanders in Kabul, Afghanistan are on schedule to end evacuation flights in time to meet President Biden's August 31st deadline. Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby. They have worked out uh, a very carefully coordinated uh, method of of safely completing uh, this retrograde. Kirby says American troops in Kabul are still under what he called a real and ongoing threat of more attacks with as little as 36 hours left. The European Union has officially recommended the reinstatement of pandemic-related travel restrictions on American tourists. The AP's Charles de Ledesma reports from London. A decision to remove the U.S. from a safe list of countries for non-essential travel would reverse advice from June, when the 27-nation bloc recommended lifting restrictions on U.S. travelers before the summer tourism season. It's non-binding. Each EU government will decide whether to keep their borders open to U.S. tourism. COVID-19 deaths in the U.S have again risen above an average of 1,200 per day. Some health experts are warning of an upcoming influenza comeback in the U.S. Dr. Jennifer Dillahay at the Arkansas Department of Public Health says COVID-19 safety rules curtailed flu cases last season. Now with the decrease in the use of social distancing and masks and so forth, we're seeing a lot of spread of other respiratory viruses that we didn't see this past winter. Start of this flu season is less than three weeks away. Find News Nation on your cable or satellite provider and stay up to date around the clock at NewsNationNow.com and the News Nation Now app. I'm Vic Vaughn. Good afternoon. This is Keith Thews, your host for Michiana Speak Out, the afternoon show of SME Community Radio, available free of charge through Anchor.fm and the Apple Play and I also believe Spotify. Take a listen to this sound.
that sound that you are hearing was on a video that was shared by us overnight. That is the sound of the hurricane, Hurricane Ida, that hit with such fury in southern Louisiana. That was the sound of the eye wall part of the hurricane where reported winds were at one buoy near the shore were clocked at 149 miles per hour sustained with a gust reported at 172 miles per hour. That's what I call, and pardon me, I will call that hurricane hell. And that's only 35 seconds. Imagine what that poor gentleman who shot at least 50-some seconds of video went through. And for all those who are caught in the devastation there in, in southern Louisiana, we, we feel for them, we pray for them, we ask that you lift them up and uh, begin starting to prepare for relief efforts and collecting supplies because they are definitely going to need it. I was listening to the coverage on WWL-TV and sharing that this morning and this afternoon. And so far, we do not have, and I repeat, we do not have a repeat of Katrina 2005. Thank the Lord for that. That storm was a hulk of a storm and caused devastating flooding, especially in the lower ninth warrant, if you remember. And so we definitely want to uh, start our areas of preparations to, uh, to help re with relief efforts. So far, there are two reported fatalities. One I reported this morning on the news brief, uh, the podcast this morning, with one report fatality last night with a tree on a house killing one gentleman. And then it appears that a second fatality has occurred with the um, drowning of somebody as they drove into a flooded area. Um, that's not official yet, they said, by the mayor of New Orleans, um, but that's what has been so far reported. So please keep the folks in prayer. The storm is heading towards the um, area, as I said, just near the point south of it, of the Alabama, Tennessee, Mississippi. And so uh, just you need to keep all those folks in prayers because they too will be having uh, some wind, not as strong, definitely uh, tornado risk, very thunderstorm risk, and flooding risk. And when I come back, I will have my thoughts and comments on the memorial service or non-memorial service on Saturday night. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is Michelle Speak Out. If you served honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans in your community, then join AMVETS. Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA healthcare facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. If you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at AMVETS.org. And welcome back. 
Friday was a terrible day in the city of Elkhart with the tragedy of little Danton, who was killed, reportedly originally saying age two, but another report from a TV source indicated that he may not have quite reached age two yet. But it doesn't matter of the age, it's just that a precious life was lost. And so I want to give my thoughts on the memorial service or that was supposed to occur but did not occur in the way it was originally intended. I first want to thank Carol for doing the setup alongside of another Hispanic gentleman. Kudos to both of you for trying to reach out to the community and inviting one pastor to perform and the band that I'm a part of, Fishers of Men, as well as all of the support from the posts and the replies that I got for sharing to the citizens of Elkhart group and the Elkhart Indiana group on Facebook. Unfortunately, when we arrived, plans had changed per family members. And in the reports that I received, um, I'll just say this, that I'm not sure how Channel 22 was able to shoot video, but ABC 57 and WNDU Channel 16 and SME Community Radio were definitely not allowed to get any video at all, sad to say, and the band was not allowed to play it turned out to just be folks um, milling around, visiting with one another, consoling one another, not having a formal event per se at all. Um, As was reported by two individuals who I will not name off, um, it was definitely not what people expected for a memorial service. So I feel sorry for all those who plan to cover it and plan to be there and were not allowed to properly give a a formal remembrance celebration of life. It was reported that the mom clearly was in great mourning and distress after losing her boy and not taking the death very well emotionally and in other ways so there needs to be prayer for that and um, all we can say is we need to move forward we need to work in groups to find non-violent ways to handle violent situations and work together and come together between races, between groups of folks, between our neighbors. We need to find a way to work together to try to work hard to prevent. It's not guaranteed, but whatever we can do as a community to come together and prevent these type of tragedies from happening again or push them way, way down the line would be would be greatly, greatly appreciated. 
So I think we all need to take some time to reflect and remember this young Danton and also lift up all those who have lost folks um, to gun violence or to the choice of using weapons to solve their problems. Because people have the right to make free choice and it's better to make the right choice than to make a very wrong choice. When I come back, we'll get started remembering the Muscular Dystrophy Association Telethon that used to be on WSJV Channel 28. We're going to hear from my interview back in 2018 on Michiana Homegrown Talent Radio with Evan Hoover. Evan works for ADEC and he also suffers from one of the neuromuscular diseases. And so get a chance to turn up your volume because it may be a bit soft and uh, enjoy the conversation with Evan Hoover. And before we get to that, we're going to have a chance to listen to the weather. And if you remember the disco days of ABBA, we have this little news to share for you. This is Michiana Speak Out on SME Community Radio. ABBA to release first new music in 39 years. This is BreakingNewsEnglish.com. The pop group ABBA are making a comeback. They will release five new songs, a new album, and they have a new stage show. It is the first time in 39 years the group will release any new music. The Swedish group formed in Stockholm in 1972 and became one of the most popular and successful pop groups in the history of pop music. They are famous for songs such as Dancing Queen and The Winner Takes It All. A musical romantic comedy film called Mamma Mia was released in 2008. This showcased many of their biggest hits. The movie later became a stage show, which is currently the seventh longest running show in London's musicals history. It is also the ninth longest running show on New York's Broadway. ABBA's millions of fans have been hoping for a comeback for many years. The group launched a website called ABBA Voyage. The site invites fans to register their interest in a new mystery project that will be announced on September the 2nd. However, ABBA's guitarist accidentally revealed that a new album is coming in the autumn. Fans will be disappointed to learn that the stage show will not include ABBA in the flesh. Instead, there will be holograms of the group. These will be digitally created, lifelike avatars of each group member. The avatars have been nicknamed avatars. There will be eight shows a week that will take place in a newly built theatre in London. Some community radio detailed forecast from the National Weather Service for Elkhart County. Hello to all our new members. Today mostly sunny with a high near 84. Light west wind becoming northwest 5 to 10 mph in the morning. 
tonight partly cloudy, with a low around 61. Northwest wind around 5 mph becoming east after midnight. Tuesday mostly sunny, with a high near 81. East wind around 5 mph. Tuesday night partly cloudy, with a low around 59. Northeast wind around 5 mph. Wednesday sunny, with a high near 78. Northeast wind 5 to 10 mph, with gusts as high as 20 mph. Wednesday night clear, with a low around 53. Thursday sunny, with a high near 78. Thursday night mostly clear, with a low around 54. Friday mostly sunny, with a high near 77. Labor Day weekend is coming up and that means we are doing something very special. It's Michiana Homegrown Talent Radio's Muscular Dystrophy Association Remembrance Weekend. Watch classic performances from the Jerry Lewis years of the MDA Telethon which used to be shown annually on WSJV Channel 28. So Sunday night, join the SME Community Radio staff on our sister station WMMR. IR Michiana Homegrown Talent Radio Facebook page to see the fun. 9 p.m. Sunday to 4.30 p.m. Labor Day. In addition, Friday's Michiana Speak Out show will be devoted 100% to remembering the MDA telethon. Get ready, show strength, make a muscle and help give to the MDA. Greetings one and all. Happy Labor Day Eve. This is Keith Thews live from Belmont Night Church kicking off an exciting thing that our station is doing this year and that is remembering the Jerry Lewis Muscular Dystrophy Association Telethon. It has been five long years since the telethon graced your viewing screen and my viewing screen. Uh, the last time that it was on was on ABC 57 and they had only a two or three hour special back in 2013. But before that it was for years and years on WSJP, Fox 28, ABC 28. And so joining us in this casual conversation and interview to kick off our coverage of videos of the Muscular Dystrophy Association, remembrances from YouTube, is Kevin Hoover, a person who had muscular dystrophy, but he also was a longtime volunteer. And so we're going to be sharing remembrances and just having a good old conversation before we start sharing those videos here at 9 o'clock and going till 5 o'clock tomorrow evening. Remember to give to the MDA Association. A link is on our Facebook group. And so we're just going to share. So Evan, talks, tell us about yourself and how you got involved in the Muscular Dystrophy Association. Well, you know, it wasn't until I was uh, late teens and was beginning to, you know, wonder what is what is muscular dystrophy all about? Okay. What uh, what's my expectations for life? And um, started doing research, and then ran across the local chapter of Muscular Dystrophy Association. And so it was uh, probably I'm not sure my age now, around 1980. Okay. When I uh, when I finally connected with the local chapter. And so that included, uh, you know, summer camp. It included um, telethon. Included activities we did with families uh, year round. Okay. So talk to us about the telethon and what you specifically were involved with since when and, and up to the end on June 28th. 
Well, yeah, it, it took me a while to think, when did I actually start? And I remember a group from work going, and we had the after midnight shift okay. at WSJV. Um, <laughs> and of course, it's hard to get phone calls uh -huh. when you're doing the after midnight to two shift. So we were just mostly just sitting uh -huh. around with, uh, you know, of course, watching the telephone as it was going on. Um, and then soon after that, a few years later, that I actually got started. And uh, my assignment, uh, of course, that that was back when uh, the abate ride was held. Okay. On uh, Sunday afternoon, so the events actually started Sunday morning with uh, the activities of the of the, the abate ride, the, the motorcycle ride, and then uh, telephone started Sunday evening at the station. Uh, sometimes I would go there okay. just, to, just to be part of that opening ceremony. But then we would do remotes and uh, the remotes uh, would be both Elkhart and Southbound. I'd be at the Elkhart ones uh, many, many years were at what used to be the Pier um, Moran Mall. Right, which is Woodland Crossing now. Yeah. Uh, Not like it used to look like. Yeah, they're on Hively. <clears throat> Many years there, so that was an all-day thing. I think my, my and then later, uh, when that uh, ceased to be, we went to Concord Mall. I, I think two, two things come to mind from those, uh, those, those sessions, those, uh, whatever you call them, remotes. One was, um, meet the, the people who gave okay the, the contributors the ones that went out of the way to uh, raise funds to uh, make things happen for for the MBA and people who, uh, who who would benefit from those funds uh, the other was just to interact with the people that came by a right. lot of people would come by uh, watch our entertainment uh, throw money into what we call the fishbowl the place where we would collect. And, uh, and of course, uh, the MC, that was always fun. Uh, a variety of MCs over the years. Uh, oh, yeah, we've put in. Name some of those MCs well, that just come to mind. I, I don't remember very many. Uh, Bobby Rivers. Uh, Uncle many, Bobby. Yeah, and um, boy, over the years we had quite a few. All right, well, shout out to Bobby Gill, who jumped into the video there for a short time. And nice. welcome to the interview with Evan Hoover as we kick off our coverage of Muscular Dystrophy Association Remembrances. Please give to the MDA this weekend. So, gee, um, tell us about some of the biggest things that you can think of as far as your thoughts on Bill Dahlman, the late Bill mm -hmm. Dahlman, who hosted Channel 28 coverage for years. Yeah. And then also your remembrances of, of Jerry and Bobby and, and also the Dean of Local Sports, Dean Hubbard. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for a comment from Dean. If, if you're out there watching, share us your comment. Uh, it's been five years since we've had a telethon. So give me yeah, a well, minute. You know, Dean and, uh, and the photographer, Ian. Oh, yeah. Great uh, camp. Okay. And, and Great relationship with the, with the campers, you know. I, uh, you know what comes to mind are those those hours that 
Dean and Ian would just sit with the with the guys and mm -hmm. uh, and, and spend spend time and um, even Ian even spent overnight sometimes. So uh -huh. that was that was good. So you know the commitment of the MCs, uh, all those hours and hours that Bill Darwin. I mean, this thing used to go 24 hours. Oh, really? Yeah. I remember they was always going from like 9 o'clock till 6. No, no, they, well, right, 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 right. But they would go all night. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, no, it wasn't like 24 hours, but it was, you're right, it would start 9 o'clock and go till. But they would be at the station all that time. Wow. So, so I bet they were crashing or trying yeah. to find some way to get in there. They well, they, they might have been in between times, but. Uh, later on, then it went to, to recordings. Um, but no, just the enthusiasm the folks would bring to 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 raise the funds, to raise the the awareness. Um, you know, I I think about okay, what's what's different now? Um, you know, it's been five years since we right. had had the had the telethon, and. What's different now is uh, that awareness raising, uh -huh. that these are real people. These are real families, these are real stories of, of, a, of a condition that is life-changing for these families. Uh, you know, I helped at camp, we did it a week, and you were literally the hands and feet for these, mostly they were boys. Right. Shen being uh, a big, big one of that, uh, as far as one of the diagnoses, probably the most prevalent. It's a disease that uh, is life-shortening for, for young adults. Uh, so it's a raising awareness that that this really does impact the lives of the individuals. Uh, the other is, uh, you know, the the need is still there. The fundraising still needs to happen to uh, to fund the research, to fund the, the camp, to, to provide funds for uh, needed equipment. And uh, so, yeah, that uh, hopefully the donations still come in. Right. And we're having a good chat here with Evan Hoover, who was a great longtime volunteer for the Jerry Lewis Labor Day Telephone, Muscular Dystrophy Association. Please, again, yeah, we have a link on our Facebook page. Tell us about the lady that also put it all together, Stephanie Santos, yes. from the former Mishawaka. We're going to talk about what's happened since the telethon and I'm getting rid of Jerry, but talk to us about Stephanie. Stephanie was, I remember her saying, you know, that Labor Day weekend is our Christmas. Uh-huh. It's, it's, uh, and Stephanie was one of these that had lots of energy and could motivate people, could motivate the, the fundraising. Um, very, very, uh, well, it was her passion. Uh, she knew the family, she knew the benefits of what was happening uh, with, with her efforts. Um, literally, I, I, she would start Sunday morning uh -huh. at the at the bait ride, and I don't think she quit until wow. <laughs> Monday night. Uh, and then, but, yeah, I know she talked about crashing then afterwards. But. Oh, I bet. <laughs> But uh, just uh, you know, face of, of MBA for uh, for the Northern Indiana chapter, uh, like you said, was uh, 
in, uh, in Mishawaka. Uh, families, kids love her, just the enthusiasm she would bring. Um, big advocate for, for what we did at camp, uh, would bring, uh, you know, lots of energy to that planning and, yeah, just, we missed, we missed stuff. There. And when did she pass away? Uh, well, it's been since the telephone. Since the telephone. And the, yeah, yeah. Okay. Share your thoughts and some of the funny things that you saw of the late Jerry Lewis. We lost Jerry last year. Yeah. Give your thoughts. Well, Jerry was Jerry. Um, Did you ever meet him? I never met him. Never. Well, but I, I saw him in person when he was at uh, uh, the. Uh, Theater project. He was part of a theater group. Okay. That was at in South Bend. Uh, the name of the show was Dad Yankees. All right. So he was in, in that. So I got to see him live then. But uh, um, you know, it, it's what quite honestly, what comes to mind is is uh, Jerry's orphans. Okay. Yeah. And and that was a little unfortunate where people really felt that. He, he was being a little bit unfair, maybe doing the big party sort of thing, um, to, to try to pull up people's emotions or whatever. Uh -huh. and, um, and so there was this group called Jerry's Orphans. Uh -huh. But yeah, but uh, no, this was Jerry's calling, this was Jerry's passion, it was his, uh, his his drive that made this event as big as it was and involved so many people and the, and the connections that he had with these major uh, corporate sponsors. Yeah, Tall Cedars, Lebanon, the firefighters yeah. are some of them I can think of. The, uh, Who else? The 7-Eleven. Yes. Um, Carly Davidson. Uh, just, yeah. Just these major, major donors that he was able to cultivate that connection with, because uh, <clears throat> those are those are folks that you know just uh, could get behind Jerry's. Uh, well, it is because Jerry knew the families, mm -hmm. and, and it's what I said earlier. These are real families, real lives. Um, Real difficulties that people have to deal with, and you know, for you know, there's often no rhyme or reason as to how this shows up in families or with individuals, uh, especially some of the later onset, like ALS. Uh, you know, suddenly people find themselves in situations that, quite frankly, feels a little unfair. Uh, you know, when you when you think of well, life is never fair, but right, you know, why? Why me? Why my child? You know. Um, so, so Jerry knew those stories. He knew those uh, those situations, and it motivated him to do much. Yeah, he was a trooper. I can remember being involved in in music groups, drumming up Jabron, collecting money. I used to be in traffic control. We had, I think, most we did was twelve hundred dollars for Jerry, which counted six Walmart and Walmart on Thirty Street came out there and, and gave and were able to, if you had $500, you were able to get on the remotes and we were able to do three or four different remotes mm -hmm. and, and be present for Michigan traffic, Michigan CD, emergency service and 
The last one we came forty-five dollars short. Uh -huh. okay, but they did mention us because we were so close for Strumwitchy Run, the old music jam. But one of the things that struck out in my friends and I is when you were giving and they counted and you were there at Fox Twenty Eight, you were treated like royalty. You were you were just welcome. And then it, it just went so amazing. It's like a party atmosphere. Uh, it yeah. was. Yeah, we tried to do the same thing at the remotes as I remember you and your group coming in mm -hmm. several times uh, and, and wanted to make it a good thank you for right. for what the people did and, uh, and to give them that focus for that 30 seconds or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you're, 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 you're the old stuff of paper saying you're yeah. giving, you know. But, but yeah, it's, uh, it was a way to recognize what people did. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you, uh, we're having a conversation with Evan Hoover, we're getting ready to kick off our coverage of YouTube videos, remembering the telephone, remembering Jerry Lewis telephone, Muscular Dispute Association, please give. It's important this weekend. Don't forget those people. They haven't been forgotten. So, goodness, before we wrap up the questions tonight, one more time on the remote. Um, what were some of the groups that came to those remote sites that you can remember that entertained people? And what did you offer? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I remember uh, Elvis Impersonator. Um, different groups that would come in. The, uh, the Rockets. Uh, I just saw an article this year, uh, a couple weeks ago, that they're still We'll scroll rocking. Oh, yeah, that. the senior citizens group. Yeah. yeah, the senior citizens yeah. who really like to keep active and it's a dance group. Um, Steve Jim. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and it was, uh, you know, really near to that family because they had a family member that. Steve Travis, yeah. Yeah, that had. Uh, so they knew firsthand what, what Muscular Dystrophy was about. And, uh, and the biggest name that seems to come to mind, if you have been a favorite fan of the telephone, Danny Bach. Yeah. Danny. Talk about him. Well. And his mom, Sue. Sue, right? yeah. Uh, and his, and his dad. Um, so one of my early memories of the family, um, we were at the box, and uh, Danny was, I think had just recently been diagnosed, so he, he was a toddler and was out. And uh, and then just remember Bill Darwin just talking about, uh, well, you know, he's doing good. He's active, an active little kid. But, and, and, and that was Danny's attitude all through life, just um, doing all he could. Um, he walked as long as he could. Uh, he he uh, eventually did have to start using a wheelchair and had uh, to use a power chair. Um, but just a tremendous attitude uh, that Danny had. And I think part of it was just the encouragement he got from his, his family, his mom and dad and sister. Uh, one thing they did is they built their house, they made it accessible for, oh, good. for Danny. Yeah. ADA accessible? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Danny, you know, uh, come to camp every year, um, really enjoyed that. He was usually the champion burper. 
<laughs> and the champion when I went to wheelchair races. Wow. And Danny had those titles that nobody was gonna was gonna get. Um, but uh, Danny went on to go to college. Uh, really? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, he um, very independent with the bus lines. Uh, and uh, and and uh, died in died in dignity, you know. Good. And in the end, uh, you know. He, uh, he, yeah, he he fought till the end, uh, and that's that. Like I've mentioned, especially the Duchenne, that is the reality that these guys know, and that's you know when we when we were at camp, I remember uh, people talking about or the the guys talking about that. They they know that. Uh, what what their end is going to be? It's going to be a, a short life, yeah. And need to live life to the fullest. And uh, and those that knew that uh, had religion in their life, they had Christ in their life, uh, knew that when the end came, they'd have uh, everlasting life. Everlasting life. So thank God for that. And was and was able to to share that. But, well, again, we're live on Facebook here as we're getting ready to start our coverage of MPA Remembrance. Last time the telethon was 2013. We appreciate those who popped in and out of the broadcast tonight and those who will be here. To wrap things up, um, what's happened since 2013? What happened yeah. to a local MDA? What avenues are there for people who have muscular dystrophy association? What happened to Jerry before he died? Fill in the rest of the story of the book. Well, I don't know that a lot of Answers is still okay. happening. Why? Um, tell you what's still happening. We we still have MBA um, uh, clinics. Okay. Uh, they did close the one here in Elkhart with Dr. Betty. Oh no. Uh, but they still have the others. Um, you know, for still at MBA office in Fort Wayne. Okay. And uh, you know, they they're still providing services to these families that need uh, the support and uh, and the equipment and uh, you know the research is still going on uh, then we did close the mission walk up um, office and they still have the one in in uh, Fort Wayne uh, so the, the work is still going on just uh, I know the firefighters in St. Joe County were doing collecting yeah. the buckets of Afternoon for the boots are at a couple Walmart locations yeah. in South Bend, but I don't know if any of them were doing the full of boots like for the Elkhart Fire Department and whatever. I have not heard about the Elkhart Fire Department. You know, the, the champion there, uh, I think uh, along the way he himself was injured. I'm not sure oh, if he ever got back and, uh, and uh, or, or if that ended with his engineering name. Can't quite think of his name right now. Uh, Friday, uh, up and down to the Fort Wayne station on. Actually, the Fort Wayne station was actually broadcasting through uh, the Elkhart station. Really? Uh, well, they do that. They're in the same. Oh, okay. And so the host. Uh, the host 953, then? Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. The host of Fort Wayne was in uh, covering. 
for, for both stations. And he had the, the Firefighters Association from Fort Wayne on. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I don't know the details, but they, they have also moved from uh, filling the boot in the middle of the street to doing it uh, in front of businesses. But this was their first year, it was a transition year. Oh, wow. And so uh, I could sense a little frustration in that, in that transition. Uh, they weren't able to raise near as many funds. But now here's a group that usually raise $116,000, I think. Well, 7-Eleven and Martins are still collecting with the Shamrocks yeah, they are. every year, so they yeah. had to quit. The website's still available, mpa.org. Um, one more question, a bait. They always ended with a bait, given yeah. that big check. Yeah. What's happened to a bait? Well, it's still there. Okay. But they, they no longer do the ride, at least they, here in this, in this area. Okay. Um, life goes on. Life still goes on. Life goes on, you know, the, the, it was a project that uh, a group uh, locally Promoted and uh, oh man, oh, it had to be a. I can't imagine how many hours of planning and and the event itself was huge. With you know, oh yeah, um, but no, that that's no longer. And they had yeah. most, I think, two hundred thousand dollars or something mm -hmm. the one year when it was before the recession hit. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, one of those things that's changed, but hopefully, there's other fundraising that. Uh, Happens and but can you believe it's been five years since I've been on yeah, TV? I, <laughs> no. Yeah, no. It's, wow, it's gone me earlier, and it's like, well, better do something. So, okay. I want to thank Evan. Thank yep. you so very much for Great. joining us on Facebook Live from Michigan Homegrown Talent Radio. Uh, we were hoping to have this conversation a couple years ago since we lost Jerry or the telephone and. Remember, and I want to ask other people if you've been involved in, in the telethon one way or another, Tommy Lee and Deb Miles, if you get a chance to see this, if, since you are also helping in remotes, or if you loved watching this, share your memories. And again, make a muscle, give it to the MBA. The website is linked, and I'll put it a couple more times. I'm going to share videos periodically throughout this evening from YouTube. It's from MBA and others who remember the telethon will start at 9 o'clock tonight. And there's a bunch of videos, so I'm not going to show them all. We're going to save it for future years. But there's a lot of good remembrances. And one of them that I will share tonight, I'll make sure, is Jerry Lewis, young Jerry Lewis, and Jackie Gleason from the Honeymooners and Smokey and the Bandit. Black and white will be on. So one of the hours, I'll go ahead and just pop it up there at random times. Um, I'll even throw a few up on our Twitter page, Michiana HT Radio. So we are going to take time to remember tomorrow, not NBA now, is tomorrow the parade, 11 o'clock tomorrow in downtown Elkhart. So don't come if you're there at 2 o'clock, no parade. Be there at 11 o'clock in the morning and you'll get a chance to enjoy the parade earlier. But it's been a pleasure, Evan, and we're going to enjoy Make muscle, give to MBA, share your memories. Let's hear those memories out there this weekend. Share this video with your friends. Uh, probably this is one of our best interviews we've had. It's like talking to Vishen Fight for the Homeless. And uh, 
I appreciate this, Evan, so much. And all of you have a blessed Labor Day. Stay safe. Enjoy the video. I hope to be able to talk to Evan Hoover again at the end of the week as we get ready to do the fourth annual event this coming weekend on Michiana Homegrown Talent Radio. All right. I have a new episode of Happy and Whole and Him with Pastor Joel Irvin of Heart City Church. I am going to be speaking to Pastor Joel on Thursday, so get ready for that interview with Pastor Joel. I'll be also talking to Chad Crabtree from the Indiana Democrats tomorrow on this program and to Ron Varesh. We're going to sit down where I have more time to talk to him Wednesday and we'll summarize this weekend in racing that happened and what is coming up Labor Day weekend. Labor Day weekend will be a special show for this weekend coming up to remember the Jerry Lewis Muscular Dystrophy Association Telethon. And uh, so it's going to be a very packed week. So let's go ahead and listen to Happy and Whole on Him. And then, without any fanfare, tomorrow is the final day for Americans in the country of Afghanistan officially ends. And so in tribute... And with all of the videos that we've seen, some very tragic, it'll take us back to April 30th, 1975, the fall of Saigon, the last day of Americans in the Vietnam War in 1975. So we're going to pull up a video from YouTube from the CBS Evening News with Dan Rather substituting, which will wrap up our podcast of Michiana Speak Out for Monday, August the 30th, 2021. Hi, I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church and welcome again to Happy and Whole in Him. There was this medical drama called House that was hugely popular some years back. Perhaps you remember the main character, Dr. House. He had a unique ability to diagnose his patients' medical ailments by noticing subtle signs that would be overlooked by the majority of doctors. His talent for discernment was unmistakable. Today we come to chapter 4 of the letter of the Apostle James, and perhaps it would here be fitting to entitle James Dr. James, because he also has great diagnostic talent. James can see signs and put his finger on what is exactly going wrong inside us. Listen to James chapter 4 verses 1 to 3. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. To spend it on your passions. I think it's important to remember that when James wrote this letter, he did not put it in chapter and verses. James ended chapter 3 by telling us there were two wisdoms. The first wisdom comes from God above, it's heavenly wisdom. The other wisdom comes from earth, and it is of the devil. And the wisdom being followed can be known by the results. 
Heavenly wisdom is, among other things, peaceable. And the last thing James wrote in chapter 3 was, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. It would seem a bit jolting that the very next thing following this peace sowing is this question. James says, What causes quarrels? And what causes fights among you? Now, if his letter ends right here, we would say, well, the wisdom of the devil you just talked about, James. Or, the devil made me do it. I was tricked by his wisdom. It's his fault. But James is not going to allow us to let the devil get all the blame for the problems in our lives. Yes, the devil, devil certainly sows discord. But the devil is not the alone culprit when we get into fights. James won't allow us also to blame all our quarrels on all those other rascals in the world. No, James calls me into his office, he looks at all my symptoms, and he gives me the pathology report. Joel, it is not the rascals out there. It is not the devil that's causing all this. James tells me, this is an inside job. Friends, you and I had a war going on inside us before it went global. Yes, we were brought to life by the word of truth as first fruits of the new creation, James 1.18. But the Spirit does not instantly make us perfect in all holiness. No, we still have many of those old desires. There is the old nature, who like Mick Jagger said, still has sympathy with the devil. In other words, when the husband battles the wife, when the friend battles the friend, it is because inside the Christian, the old nature, the flesh has gained the upper hand on the spirit. Notice how Dr. James diagnoses each symptom with what is going on inside. Problem? You desire and do not have? Symptom? So you murder. Problem? You covet and cannot obtain. Symptom? So you fight and quarrel. Problem? You do not have? Symptom? Because you do not ask. Problem? You ask and do not receive? Symptom? because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Each of these symptoms reveal where the old nature has gained the upper hand. The symptoms, murdering, fighting, quarreling, indicate places selfishness and covetousness reside. This attitude that says, you will have what you want no matter how much it hurts and damages others. It may jolt us to hear James accuse us of murder, but I've known some folks, even children, who may never actually pick up a weapon, but if looks could kill, huh, inside there is a clear desire that another person were dead. The other symptoms are related to our prayer life, the first being a, a prayerless life. You do not have because you do not ask. Why don't we ask? Because God won't give us what we pray for. This is connected to the problem of selfishness, because we're not praying God's will be done. The second is a prayerful life that is not God-centered, but self-centered. The second symptom is probably more connected with covetousness, because it's so bold as to go to God with things that are not kingdom-oriented. I hope you see that these are serious spiritual sicknesses. To hurt another made in God's image, or to say, I know better than you, God, what I should have, and if you were a good God, you would give me what I want. This indicates there is a real problem going on inside. So what do we do? Well, we're already moving to a good place when we can recognize what is going on when I get mad at my neighbor, when my prayer life or lack thereof is seeing no answers from God. When we can see and admit there's a problem, 
we're in the place to find God's grace. And God is always ready to give it to sinful, needy souls who ask. As the hymnist penned, O Jesus, full of pardon and grace, more full of grace than I have sinned, yet once again I seek your face. Open your arms and take me in, and freely my backslidings heal, and love this faithless sinner still. Remember who you are and who you belong to. From CBS News headquarters in New York, this is the CBS Evening News, with Dan Rather substituting for Walter Cronkite, and Peter Collins aboard the USS Blue Ridge, Ed Bradley in Manila, John Lawrence in Paris, Peter Kalisher in Denang, in Washington, Phil Jones, Bob Schieffer, and Hal Walker. Good evening. South Vietnam now is under communist control. Early today, beginning with a jeep load of rather ragtag Viet Cong soldiers, then truck after truck of heavily armed North Vietnamese regular troops, the communists entered Saigon in force. South Vietnamese President Duong Van, so-called big men, just two days in office, surrendered his government unconditionally. Communist tanks smashed through the heavy gates of the presidential palace, flew the Viet Cong flag overhead, and took men away in a jeep. His whereabouts are not known. The surrender came just four hours after the last Americans were pulled out of Saigon, now renamed by the Viet Cong Ho Chi Minh City. Here is the first film of that historic evacuation, Peter Collins reports. The sky over Saigon was filled with dozens of assorted aircraft, helicopters, transports, even fighter bombers in a nameless whirling merry-go-round over the city. The U.S. Embassy helicopters flew from roof to roof, plucking up stranded Americans and occasionally depositing them on the landing pad atop the embassy. But from the roof of the Caravelle Hotel in downtown Saigon, it looked as though every pilot in the South Vietnamese Air Force who could get his hands on an aircraft had decided that now was the time to get away. It was mid-morning when the word came. A full-scale emergency evacuation had been ordered. All Americans were to report immediately to assembly points designated weeks in advance. When buses arrived at the assembly points, they were soon jammed with anxious Americans and some Vietnamese who slipped aboard. Then came a hair-raising ride to the airport. American Marines brought in to guard the helicopter landing zone stayed close to bunkers as the steady thump of rockets and the clatter of small arms kept up throughout the day. The landing zone was the parking lot of what used to be the American military headquarters in Vietnam, once known as Pentagon East. But now, the huge building was a last-ditch holding area, while overhead, big Air Force and Marine helicopters arrived to land at intervals of about five minutes. Inside the building, the evacuees were broken into groups of 50, and then it was a mad dash out the door into the parking lot for the waiting helicopter. Although it seemed much longer, it took only two or three minutes to load the helicopters, and then it was farewell to Vietnam. To avoid the threat of surface-to-air missiles, the big chopper skimmed low over Saigon, with the door gunner at the ready and the engines deliberately set to produce a stream of white smoke so that any aircraft crews would have a hard time spotting it. It was a 45-minute ride from the encircled and threatened city of Saigon to the safety of American aircraft carriers waiting offshore. So, on the South China Sea, thousands of other Vietnamese were fleeing in an armada of boats, hundreds of vessels of all size, ranging from patrol boats to Vietnamese Navy warships, all making their way out to the American 7th Fleet and presumably hoping for an eventual voyage to the United States. 
On the midway, the refugees are led quickly away from the howling blast of the helicopters by Navy crewmen. For them, it is only the first leg in a journey away from Vietnam and the war, but perhaps an uncertain future in America. Peter Collins, CBS News, with the final American withdrawal from Vietnam. South Vietnamese military servicemen and their wives today continued to arrive in Thailand, apparently the last of an estimated 70,000 Vietnamese who fled their country just before the communist takeover. More on the flight from Saigon from Ed Bradley. The crowds of Americans and other foreigners lined up at installations around Saigon waiting for buses was being used. It told the Vietnamese that this was the end of the line. For most of those who wanted to leave their country, this would be their last chance. Some Americans who pushed towards the bus tried to pull their Vietnamese wives and children along with them.
Last Friday, former South Vietnamese Premier Nguyen Cao Ki exhorted his countrymen to remain in Vietnam even if the communists took over, saying those who flee are cowards. Today, Ki was reported on an American evacuation ship in the South China Sea after being taken from Saigon on an American helicopter. In the early hours today, between the American evacuation and the communist arrival, almost every building in Saigon that was abandoned by the Americans was looted. Chief among them was the U.S. Embassy, where everything was stolen from a paper-shredding machine to, literally, the kitchen sink. Just before the communists entered Saigon, one government police colonel walked to an army memorial statue at the National Assembly, saluted it, then fatally shot himself. Elsewhere in the city, government soldiers threw away their guns, discarded their uniforms, and tried to melt back into the crowd. There were sporadic outbursts of gunfire as the communists marched into Saigon, some of it from die-hard government troops at the Presidential Palace and at the Saigon Zoo, some of it from celebrating Viet Cong soldiers. But overall, it was a well-disciplined, peaceful takeover. To the south and west of Saigon, however, the Viet Cong says that there still are eight provinces, quote, not yet liberated. We'll have a direct conversation with correspondent Ed Bradley via satellite from Manila in a moment. What's that, Jack? A second flavor of Digel, new lemon orange. Now there are two Digel flavors. At times, you know how tired you get from the taste of some antacids. Oh, do I? Not with Digel, in regular mint or new lemon orange. Both work like no plain antacid can. How's that? Digel is different. Relieves occasional heartburn, acid indigestion, gets rid of gas. Gas? Gas pressure, fullness. Digel, in regular mint and new lemon orange. I'll try it. ago, family getaway cars needed all the traction, handling, and gas mileage they could muster. Fortunately, there was a dual 10 from General Tire. Today, your getaway car needs even more traction, handling, and gas mileage. And fortunately, there's the 40,000-mile dual steel 2 radio from General Tire. CBS News correspondent Ed Bradley was among the last U.S. newsmen to leave Phnom Penh, Cambodia, when it fell. And then yesterday, he was among the last to leave Saigon, just before the South Vietnamese government surrendered. He is now in Manila. Ed, what are your more vivid recollections of those last hours in Saigon? I think perhaps the most vivid, Dan, was riding around the city of Saigon for almost four, five, perhaps better than five hours trying to find a way out. There was just utter confusion, almost total chaos. Uh, no one really knew where to take us because we were unable to get into Tonsonet Air Base. The Arvin paratroopers turned us away and the uh, mission warden had no backup for us, no place else for us to go. So we just kind of wandered around the city for hours wondering if uh, indeed we were going to get out. Uh, but we eventually did get into the U.S. Embassy by climbing over a wall in the uh, back of the United States compound and, uh, and getting a helicopter out. Were some South Vietnamese also trying to get over that wall and get into the compound? Oh, there were hundreds at that wall and, and more than a thousand, several thousand in front of the embassy. At one time, uh, a grenade was thrown into a crowd. Uh, people were scaling the walls. Marines were at the top trying to knock them back at the, the front of the embassy and also at the back. Uh, people were just climbing on top of each other and, and just begging and pleading with any American they saw, anyone who was not a Vietnamese, 
to help them, asking them to, to, to help me get out of here. Uh, there were really some very sad scenes there with, with parents saying, my children are already over the wall and I'm stuck outside, or children saying, my father went over the wall and what am I going to do? Uh, but at that point, the Marines were not letting anyone in who did not have proper credentials, if they could stop them. Uh, and it was a question of survival at that point. In the embassy itself, I know you were there for quite some time before being helicoptered out. Describe for us what you saw and what you felt in that embassy in those last hours. That was perhaps the strangest part of the day, Dan. Uh, I remember when I climbed over that wall and started walking towards the embassy inside the compound, I could see charred bills, American money. Uh, I don't know what bill it was. Andrew Jackson's face was on it. We picked some of them up and looked at it. There were two barrels uh, that had been filled with, with money and they were being burned. Uh, a few minutes later, I saw a man come out with, with a stack of money. It, it must have been that wide, maybe two, two and a half, three feet long, just uh, new money. I don't know if it, was, if it was legal or if it was counterfeit. I don't know what it was, but they were burning it. And I saw someone in the embassy later a man that I knew, and I asked him what he did with that money. And he said to me, you won't believe it, but I destroyed four and three-quarter million dollars today, all of it by burning. We went out in the hallway to the water fountain, and this hall runs the entire length of the embassy building, the main embassy building, quite a long hallway. And the hallway was, was very dark. There was very subdued lighting. And at the other end, there was a large conference room, and the doors were open to that conference room, and it was lit by fluorescent lights, and there was an embassy official still sitting there giving orders to, to other U.S. officials concerned with the evacuation. And that was really the, the bright light. Uh, I just thought of the expression that we've heard and, and used so many times, the, the light at the end of the tunnel. And after walking out of that room and seeing those newspaper clippings and walking out and seeing the Vietnamese on the floor and walking down and seeing the light at the end of the hallway and, and thinking of that phrase, the, the light at the end of the tunnel, and that's the way America was leaving Vietnam. When you spray paint, what you want is a beautiful smooth finish without runs and drips. That's why I switched to Krylon. Look at this test. Krylon versus the other leading brand. See, the other brand is running, but Krylon's fast dry formula helps you avoid runs and drips. With Krylon, even an amateur can get a professional finish. Beautiful. Krylon for the beautiful professional finish. Wait, let me choose a cereal. Who are you? I'm your common sense. And here's our common sense cereal. Kellogg's product 19. Good, huh? Crunchy and smart. Gives us vitamin insurance. 100% of our daily allowance of 10 vitamins and iron. Hey, terrific ride. What's terrific? My common sense. Make Kellogg's product 19 your common sense cereal. President Ford has refused to give Congress copies of confidential correspondence between former President Nixon and former South Vietnamese President Q about U.S. aid after the Paris Peace Agreement. But today in Washington, a former member of the Q cabinet made public two letters. Bill Jones reports. 
The two letters were private correspondence between then-President Nixon and President Two. On November 14, 1972, Mr. Nixon wrote, You have my absolute assurance that if Hanoi fails to abide by the terms of this agreement, it is my intention to take swift and severe retaliatory action. On January 5, 1973, as President Nixon was pressuring President Two to accept the terms of the Paris Peace Agreement, Mr. Nixon wrote, You have my assurance of continued assistance in the post-settlement period and that we will respond with full force should the settlement be violated by the North Vietnamese. Earlier this month, when the controversy over secret agreements came up, the White House press office released several public statements by Mr. Nixon, and spokesman Ron Nesson said that they were in substance the same as the private letters. These statements talked about vigorous reaction and that the U.S. would not tolerate violations, but there was nothing promising, quote, full force. And just this month, President Ford said he had reviewed all the correspondence and there was nothing different from what was stated publicly. Today, Nguyen Tien Hung, a former cabinet member of the two government, released the Nixon letters to two and indicated that the U.S. had not fulfilled a promise. To the Vietnamese, the assurances were backed up by the prestige and the credibility of the U.S. presidential office of its power. This under these conditions cannot be taken seriously than what can be. Tonight, the Ford White House says it was aware of these letters, and as far as the president is concerned, this only reinforces and if it's ever an issue that's academic, this is it. Bill Jones, CBS News, Washington. The White House today renewed its request for humanitarian aid for Indochina. It said the money is needed to pay for the evacuation of Vietnamese, to pay for their emergency care, and to help those still in South Vietnam through international relief organizations. The mass evacuation of Vietnamese has come under sharp criticism in Congress and elsewhere from those who question whether all of the refugees really needed to get out and from some who say priority should have gone to Americans. But that criticism got short shrift today at the White House. Bob Schieffer reports. I took them out because they would have been killed otherwise and I am proud that I did it. That direct quote, according to presidential spokesman Ron Nesson, is the president's response to some congressional critics who are suggesting he did not have the legal authority to use American combat troops to evacuate the loyal South Vietnamese from the war zone. Asked if he could cite some legal rationale for the president's move, Nesson said today he was citing moral rationales. And as additional justification, he read two newspaper editorials and offered to read the inscription on the Statue of Liberty. Nesson was in a snappish mood today, but White House aides said his sharp responses reflected accurately the president's own feelings on the subject. In the words of one top White House assistant, the president does not understand the lack of charity toward the refugees, and he does not understand all this niggling over legal niceties. Bob Schieffer, CBS News, the White House. Joan, where'd you put the bath oil? Right there. Right where? In the soap dish. There's soap in the soap dish. That's not soap, that's caress. So where's the bath oil? In the caress. Caress is the body bar with bath oil. 101 light, delicate drops blended inside to soften your skin every time you lather. Feel better now? I never felt better. Caress, the body bar with bath oil. Michelin, Michelin.
Michelin. Dear Michelin, we visit our family from Florida to Canada to Chicago and Denver. Your steel belted radios give us driving comfort and economy, but most of all, a feeling of security and safety. Ever since we invented the steel belted radial, Americans have been sold on Michelin. Prove it to yourself. Mrs. Schaff did. Michelin, the steel belted radial leader. Reaction among communist countries to South Vietnam's surrender was predictably quick in coming. In Hanoi, there was dancing in the streets, firecrackers and rockets exploded throughout the city. In Peking, there was singing and chanting. In Moscow, TASS had a satisfied note of inevitability, but only an oblique reference to American participation in the war, an apparent concession to what is called detente with the West. In Paris, the South Vietnamese and the Viet Cong delegations displayed the two faces of a war that is over. John Lawrence has details. Vietnam's winners and losers showed their separate joys and fears in Paris today. At the headquarters of the provisional revolutionary government, the Viet Cong flag flying outside, the veteran communist revolutionaries quietly celebrated their forces victory in Saigon. Inside, Ambassador Din Ba Thi delivered the new South Vietnamese government's first declaration. He said that foreign policy will be based on peace and non-alignment, that diplomatic relations will be established with all countries, regardless of politics, and that South Vietnam will accept economic and technical aid from any country as long as no political strings are attached. He called for an end to hates and divisions in South Vietnam. Scores of South Vietnamese showed up at the former Saigon government's embassy in Paris today, where business went on as usual. These Vietnamese, who owed their allegiance to the last government, flooded the staff with requests for new passports. As one explained, with the new situation, we don't know what our nationality will be. John Lawrence, CBS News, Paris. Just a month ago, on March 30th, the communists in their drive down the South Vietnamese coast captured the city of Da Nang. A day later, the Viet Cong shot this film, showing captured South Vietnamese military equipment. All of this part of millions of dollars worth of military equipment the United States provided South Vietnam's now defunct government. Equipment that was abandoned to the communists in that retreat by government troops. The Viet Cong says these films were shot in and around Da Nang. East German television, which provided this film, said more than 100,000 South Vietnamese soldiers surrendered to the communist forces in the Da Nang area. Peter Kalischer is in Da Nang now, and here is his report. Three thousand feet, this is the border town of Quang Tri on the 17th parallel and the Ben Hai River that divides north from South Vietnam. The countryside pocked with about ten million dollars worth of American bomb craters and shell holes. Looking down on the former imperial capital of Wei on the Perfume River. This is what used to be the U.S. Air Force base of Da Nang. At one time in 1966, the busiest airport in the world. That's right, in the world. More takeoffs and landings than Chicago's O'Hare International. 
Now it belongs to the Provisional Revolutionary Government of South Vietnam. Denang itself, South Vietnam's second city, population, according to the new management, of one million. 200,000 refugees are supposed to have fled. How many made it is uncertain. It is now living on former American supplies turned over to the Saigon forces, then captured by the Viet Cong, a term the Provisional Revolutionary Government does not like. The PRG, the Provisional Revolutionary Government, is taking a new census and asking everyone who came to Da Nang in the last 10 years to return to their village homes. Whether they like going back is as hard for an American to answer as the question of whether they really like their new regime. Peter Kalischer, CBS News, Da Nang. Go, so it neutralizes excess acid fast and helps wash it away. Looks like you washed it away. You washed it away. I told you the boss was right. <laughs> Alka-Seltzer Gold washes excess acid away. President Ford has postponed for one month a scheduled $1 per barrel increase in the tariff on imported oil, which had been due tomorrow. White House aides say this delay is to give Congress more time to consider its energy proposals. The federal government's new withholding tax rates go into effect tomorrow, meaning workers' paychecks will show a higher take-home pay. The overall effect of the tax cut will be to put an extra $7.8 billion in consumers' pockets over the rest of this year. This and the tax rebates, the first of which will be mailed out next week, are designed to help chances for economic recovery this year. The Dow Jones Industrial Average climbed more than 18 points on the New York Stock Exchange. Volume was 18,100,000 shares. The average price per share gained 50 cents on the New York Exchange, 8 cents on the American. The dispute over the role of women in the Episcopal Church today wound up in a Washington church court. Hal Walker was there. The faithful and the curious gathered inside St. Columbus Church today, not for worship, but for the church's first ecclesiastical trial in this diocese in the 20th century. The defendant, Father William Wendt, rector of St. Stephen in the Incarnation Church, a popular and controversial priest whose ecclesiastical crime is that he permitted a woman to celebrate Holy Communion in his church. That woman, Mrs. Allison Cheek, was among 11 who took part in a contested ordination service in Philadelphia last July. Father Wendt argues that the ordination was valid and that the women are authorized to function as priests. The church never recognized the ordination. The church court will have to decide the rector's fate. He is charged with disobeying the godly admonition of his bishop. Washington Bishop William Creighton, however, had trouble defining just what a godly admonition is. It's not like a general's order, he conceded, but he had better luck telling what it wasn't than what it was. The defense summoned a number of theological experts to support Reverend Wendt's position that he did not violate the spirit of church law. He says the issue is clear-cut. 
simply and purely that the authority of God is greater than the authority of man, plus the fact that 11 women were ordained godly priests in Philadelphia on July 29, 74. And that's what's being fought here. That's it. Hal Walker, CBS News, Washington. For CBS News, Dan Rather in New York. Thank you for joining us. Good night. Whole grain wheat, hard red spring wheat, whole grain rye. Whole grain means that the wheat germ and rye germ are still there. This is bran, this defatted flaxseed, and this is pure golden honey. Now, all of these ingredients are in Roman meal bread. Roman meal, the good-tasting light brown bread with natural whole grain goodness. The Roman meal company thought you'd like to know. Whether you drive in the city or under big sky, if you're a smart buyer, the tire to buy is Atlas. This brand has a smooth ride and mileage, oh yeah, plus sure-footed handling to get you there. That's Atlas. Especially when the roads are rough, Atlas tires show their stuff. Built to go where the going's tough. That's Atlas. Steel radial belted or four-ply. Where do you get these quality tires? At service stations near you. So be a smart buyer. Get Atlas. From CBS News headquarters in New York, this has been the CBS Evening News with Dan Rather substituting for Walter Cronkite. For the latest news early, watch the CBS Morning News with Hughes Rudd. Monsters of the Deep, tonight at 8, 7 central on CBS. Channel 5, first to go live. Good evening, I'm Chris Clark. In the news tonight, Warden Jim Rose says 500 inmates should be released from the state penitentiary in Nashville soon. John Dean, and we'll have local reaction to the fall of... This is Channel 4, WSN-TV, Nashville, Tennessee, 530.